Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 59. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. I have such a fun show today because this is my first couple. I've got two fabulous people that I'm interviewing today. I met this gentleman just over the weekend through Facebook, which yes, I have even got deals through Facebook. As some of you know, I've been kind of titled, not by myself, but other people as the queen of networking. I love networking, meeting people, doing business, helping other people out. Networking is awesome. And because of networking, I met the fabulous Sid and Julie Chase. I'm so excited to have them. So with that, these people have flipped over 400 deals, houses and land, and I have to welcome them to the show now. Welcome, Sid and Julie. Hey, guys. How are you? So glad to have you. Well, why don't you enlighten our listeners to your story? Where have you been? What are you doing? And how did you get to where you are today? You want to start? (laughs) So uh, we've actually been married uh, about 25 years, uh, 26 years. And we started uh, uh, real estate um, about 20 four years ago it was um we we're always uh, minus my military time i spent 15 years in the military but minus that um i've pretty much done nothing but run my own businesses or being an entrepreneur and um we had a, a pool business and a feed store and um just decided one day that there's got to be a better way and um i thought it was going to be the stock market so i spent a year uh, learning how to trade stocks um I did okay, but realized that um, I forgot who my wife was because I didn't have enough time to uh, enjoy my family. So uh, we gave that up. And uh, a guy called me one day, um, an old friend from school, and uh, his name is Tim DePew. He calls me up, haven't seen him in years, and he said, Hey, my mom and dad, um, my dad fell out of a tree in Florida while he was hunting. He's paralyzed from the neck down. Um, it happened a few years ago. Um, but he, he, he bought all these properties around where you live and where we went to school. And, um, he's got a four unit apartment complex that, uh, he wants to get rid of. And it's literally a quarter mile down the road from where you guys, your feed store is and your pool business is. So, um, my dad, um, who's a cop for nine years and a judge for 25 years. So I, I did a little research on the property. Um, I ran down to my father's house, which was right around the, down the street. And I told him all about it. And he told me, no, he said, don't do it. So I ran back up to literally, I ran back up to the, to the uh, feed store. I told Julie about it and we called the guy back up and within two weeks we bought the property and uh so i bought my we bought our first four unit with no money down um they they did the closing um they did everything we didn't have to put up a single dime and they actually gave us two or three months to um work on getting the place fixed up and organized so that was our very first deal that got us kind of the fever but we learned the hard way with that property 
lost ten thousand dollars in um, ownership, and the tenants knew more about the rules and regs than we did. So, hence the reason we lost the ten thousand dollars. We we couldn't get them evicted. It, it was ridiculous. <laughs> oh that they they had they, they had free lawyers and you know the um whatever they announced like SSI DSS or whatever the system was that they were on and uh, so that happened to be winter coming up and um, a friend of mine um, worked for the um, coding was a code enforcer for the the town that we lived in so I called him up and I said hey I'm having these issues and he goes yeah I know because they keep calling me up and turning you in for not keeping the uh, four unit up to speed and hey, so so what town and state is this for? In SODUS, S-O-D-U-S, New York. So it's all the way upstate on Lake Ontario, okay. north of Syracuse. And it's cold there, huh? <laughs> we, yeah. we, average, we average 22 feet of snow a year. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lots of snow. But, we, you know, we really didn't mind it growing up. But no, no. So I called him up, and he said, come up to the office. I have something for you. So I drive up there, which is only about 10 minutes away. And I walk in his office and here's this book that's probably this thick and it's um, all the, uh, the, the codes for landlords to know. It's all the um, uh, rules and regulations of the county and the state for landlords basically is what it was. So I literally took a couple of months and I read through it. I became smarter than they were. Uh, which I already was, but they knew the system better than I did. And we got him out. So when we finally got him all out, all of them, we evicted every single one of them. We went back to the original owners who were also holding the note for us. And I came up with a plan. I presented them the plan and they accepted it, which in short was we need four months to uh, re-renovate the properties. Um, we need four months with no mortgage payment. Can you put that onto the back for us? And oh, by the way, since if you remember, we didn't have any money to close or to buy the place and we still don't have any money. So would you mind giving us a $6,000 loan so that we can rehab the properties? Wow. And how was that received? I mean, it's pretty creative. And I like that you were being fair and saying, put the payments on the back end. You weren't asking for, you know, a free... Get out of jail-free card. And we paid interest on the loan because they did end up giving it to us for rehabbing the, the apartments. But I think they felt a little obligated because we inherited their headache. And that, I think, was part of the reason they wanted to get rid of it, too. They lived so far away. They lived in Florida. There was nothing they could do about getting the tenants to pay. So, uh, But we, from that property, we generated our 13-page rental agreement. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And and Julie learned how to take tenants to court. I didn't need a lawyer. I did it myself and I learned how to garnish paychecks. Hey, I have a question about going to court because here in the state of California, if you own a property in an entity, you have to hire a lawyer. The lawyers have made it such that you cannot self-represent, which we learned the hard way by showing up to represent ourselves one time. The judge said, oh, no, 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 no. You own it in an LLC. You must have 
a lawyer representing you. So that way the lawyers can earn more money. Did you own this property in your own name or an entity name? And do they have that rule in New York? That one we own in our own name, but we've owned other properties in our LLC. And I've always taken it to court. There was never that issue of you had to have an attorney. So, well, for our listeners, ask before you show up to court if you're trying to self-represent yes. because, you know, I got to say my husband's smarter than some of the lawyers that we've hired and he's telling them how to do their job sometimes. So <laughs> just because you have a lawyer doesn't mean they're fantastic. So yeah, that's great advice. Find out before you show up because that was something we learned. <laughs> what, one of the things just to go back on your, your question, whether we were individually owned it or LLC, um, our philosophy over the years, um, we just, as a to be transparent we now own no rental properties whatsoever period it, well hold on we own one it's the house it's the house that we bought that her mother lives in in new york but other than that we own no investment properties at all we're completely out of that um i don't i, I actually i don't know if i should say this or not but i'm going to anyways let me take a second yeah okay i will um <laughs> I don't believe in investors that are starting out should buy single family homes as investments no. because they're very risky. And mm -hmm. if you don't have the cash in your pocket, if you go two, three, four months and somebody doesn't pay you, where's that money coming from? If you buy a duplex or you buy a fourplex, the, the, the numbers are, or the scenario should look like this. If you buy a duplex, one should pay for itself. The other one, um, is, is money in your pocket. Or if it's a fourplex, it's the same concept. Two, two, two pays, two for free. So single family homes, in my opinion, are very risky. And we got up to owning about 40 some properties at one time. So, but to go back to the question or the statement that, that you, or question you asked us was individually or LLC. So our philosophy over the years was always to, when you start just first starting out and it's just a single family or a duplex, it's okay to have it in your own name. Just, just the first one. If you go to buy a second one or a third one, then I would suggest you put it in an LLC. We never carried, and it's a long story, but I'll, tr I'll try to keep it very short, but we never carried more than about five to seven properties per LLC. And what we, st we would do is at, when you first have a lot of mortgage on your property and it is your rental property, they can sue you all they want. They're not going to get anything from you because there's no equity in the house. So the only thing they can chase down is your own personal stuff. So that's where the LLC helps you. So as you go through the years and that you start paying down that debt or for some investors who are very creative and they do like a five-year pay down or a seven-year pay down, what you want to do is start moving those uh, um, equity, you know, the properties they have a lot of equity in, move them out of that LLC and into their own individual LLCs so that they don't go after those. Just a little tip. Love that. Yeah. And of course, um, you should always seek the advice of a lawyer. <laughs> Even though Sid's got great advice, make sure you get your own advice from your own lawyer and CPA. <laughs> Don't yeah, say, Sid told me I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, a lot of people get all excited about entities, but the whole purpose of entities, some of it's for tax benefits, but as far as protection, if there's not much to protect, why go to the expense and headache of having it in an entity? Not necessary. Yeah. Exactly. 
So where were we at? You're telling us um, the story and we're getting bits and pieces of everything. I love it. So you bumped up to 40 homes at once. And so your journey has um, taken lots of twists and turns. You owned up to 40 homes at one time. Where else did your journey take you next? So um, the very, even before we bought our first property, we, we started out doing tax liens. And, um, is that right? Yeah, we started out doing tax liens because um, when we first started out, <clears throat> all of our money was in our, our retail business, you know, and, um, and we were pretty poor with lots of kids and, you know, it was a terrible situation, but um, we got through it and here we are today. So, but um, our, first pro our first deals that we started doing was I learned about tax liens. So um, there's only so many states in the country, and I don't remember the exact number anymore, that do tax liens. Now, tax liens and tax deeds are totally two different things. So one you actually own at the end of the auction, and the other one you don't. That's in short. So we did tax liens. Um, they're very inexpensive to get into. Um, we stuck with two states only, and that was um, Colorado and Texas. So that's really how we kind of got started um, dealing with those. But... Um, we made a little bit of money with those. They're they're kind of like a they're kind of like a CD. You know, you put a little money in there and you just sit around and you wait for something to happen. You know, or you wait for the time. And so um, I, I have a little bit of issue with um, you know I like to go forward all the time and I'm always like going. So that was a little too slow for me. So that's when we got into our first um, property and started learning about it. Well, wait, I have a question on the tax liens because I personally have never done tax liens. A few things I've heard about it have been not as exciting to me as the other avenues that I've pursued. So for people that don't know what they are and how they work and why you're talking about, you got to sit around and wait. Tell us a little brief overview of how they work. Yeah, so I'll use Colorado for for example. Um, I, that's the one I, I use the most, and I really like Colorado. I actually used to live there when I was stationed um, in the military. I was stationed there. So uh, when you buy a tax lien, it's the, the the homeowners are still in the property. They're living there. They're not being evicted. They're just behind on their taxes. Their 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 mortgages most likely are not behind, or they could be. But the point of it is, it's really about the taxes that are behind. So the county. Um, back in the, back in those days, the counties were always trying to drum up um, money. They needed money, so they came up with the idea of a tax lien. So, some some counties, if you're three months behind in your taxes, it goes up. If it's one year, it goes up. So, the count each county is different. Um, so, what you do is you actually bid on the on the, the property, and you you and I'm, I'm going to be a little rusty because it's been a while. So. <laughs> Another disclosure, check with your lawyer and the county that you're looking at. Um, so in, in short, they, they pay back anywhere between 9% and 12%. Um, so you, you buy the right, it's like almost like a lease. You buy the right to, to someday down the road, either to collect one of two things. Number one, you're collecting the interest rate at the end of the year if he pays. If he doesn't pay, after three years, and again, it depends on what county, I'm just speaking of the county that I was in. Um, if he doesn't pay after three years, and I keep paying on those every year, so every year I have the first option to pay his taxes again, and that keeps me in first place. Otherwise, they put him up for auction, and then somebody else gets the option to have that um, position. 
Sorry about that. Um, and um, so at the three-year period, if he doesn't pay or she doesn't pay and you've paid all three years, you then own the property for whatever those three years worth of taxes were, right? Um, so, and in Colorado, if you, most of Colorado is um, above average price, pricing, not as high as California, but they're above average pricing, beautiful homes. And so you really get some nice places. You have an opportunity to get really nice places. Now we never ended up getting a house. They, every single time they always bought, or sorry, they always paid off the lien and we ended up with 12% return. Now 12% on, <clears throat> excuse me, 12% on, I think the first lien we bought was just a little over $2,000. And, but we control the $300,000 home with that. Um, yeah. So that's what's nice about, about the tax liens. So if you have some friends that are, that's all they do is tax liens, but they'll invest $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, and they'll spread it all around in different tax liens. Got it. Interesting strategy. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us about, um, I don't know, one of your most exciting deals and tell us about the numbers and how much money you made. Let's, let's um, hear about some excitement that you had. Wait a minute. Did you say make money? We're supposed to be making money in real estate? <laughs> I, didn't real, I didn't realize that one. We've been doing it wrong, Walters. No, just <laughs> oh, go ahead. Caroline Street. Caroline. Okay, so there was a home in Clyde, New York, not too far from where we lived. It was listed for twelve thousand five hundred. Homes up there in that area are pretty cheap. Um, so anyway, we went to go check the house with a realtor. At that time, we didn't have our own agency. Um, so. What she was pointing out to us is the foundation. And one of our rules of thumb was to never buy a home that had foundation issues or um, roof issues or electrical issues. Those are pretty pricey things. So anyway, she pointed out the foundation issue. And um, what it was is on the very front of the home that faced the street, um, the stone, the old stone was bowed out from the home. So anyway, we're inside looking at everything. Everything looked really decent inside. It wasn't going to take a lot of work to fix this place up. To Let's flip it. So we're down in the basement checking hey, out. Hold on. Wall. I need to see in there. There's no, there was no weed in the basement. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Julie, yeah. Julie don't do basements and Julie don't do attics. So Sid was in the basement <laughs> with the agent and um, checking out the, the wall issue. Well, to make a long story short, what he discovered was the reason that outside wall was pushed out was somebody had built a new interior wall to support the foundation. It was brand new block in there. So nobody else, I guess, caught that. Nobody figured it out. So a friend of ours, um, who's passed away now, Chris, um, I called him up and he was the county's engineer. So I called him up and I said, hey, did you happen to do the engineer work, drawing work uh, on a property, 113 Caroline Street in Clyde? And he goes through his file and he says, yeah, actually I did. That's a brand new wall down there and here's the paperwork for it. So go ahead. So anyway, um, the other issue was the furnace. The bank owned the property, of course, and they had a few people coming in and giving them estimates on the furnace. 
So we're kind of looking it over and we're thinking, okay, the wall was an issue. Worst case scenario, we got to replace the furnace. It adds more value to the house. We're getting, I think we put an offering for 10500 and the bank accepted it. So we had our furnace guy come in and all we had to do was clean it. So it was like a $67.50 service call. And I think we put $1,000 with fresh paint and cleaning. And then we turned around and sold it like at our closing, closing at so the lawyer's we, office. We closed on it ourselves and then turned, and we got use of the, because of who we, not so much back then, but we, a couple of the local banks knew us really well. So they would let us take possession of the house before the closing because it was an all cash deal. So we would go in and start working on the houses prior to the closing. And so during that time, somebody walked up to us and said, hey, are you guys fixing this up to sell it? And we said, yeah, of course we are. And I'm not going to say the number yet. So he asked me how much and I told him. He said, great, I'll come and look at it when you're done. So about a week before the closing, we had the house done. Uh, he comes by, we call him, he looks at it, he falls in love with the place. So we set the double closing. So we went to our lawyer, or the bank and our lawyer, closed on the property, drove an hour away and turned around and closed on, with his lawyer on the property to do the numbers. It was $75,000 we had sold the property for. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is this was amazing. a big house. It was four bedrooms. I believe it was a bath and a half. I'm trying to picture it. I can picture the downstairs, but I don't think there was a bathroom upstairs. I mean, obviously that was like one of our first flip deals. And so we were really excited that we had made so much money. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a bath and a half. Yes, it was a half bath and the master and then a um, guest bath downstairs as well. But yeah. That was one of our best deals. Yeah. That, that is super exciting. Wow. We, we, I love we it. Call, we call that house our, our Babe, Babe Ruth house. <laughs> home run? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's equivalent to a couple or three home runs, is, if there's such a thing. You just keep running around the bases, huh? <laughs> Scoring points. That's awesome. That kind of encouraged us to keep going, you know, but obviously we don't want to give the wrong impression either. We I mean, not that easy. No. <laughs> I, I go into a, a flip home knowing that things are not always going to go as planned. Just if you go in knowing that, you're going to be okay. You'll get through anything. <laughs> well, that's very well said. And I would even take it a step further to say um, things basically never go as planned. There's <laughs> almost always a surprise. So that's yeah. what the contingency factor in the budget for the, the mystery or miscellaneous, or you could call yes. it a surprise line item because <laughs> yes. stuff our happens. Number, our number was 15% was our, our surprise. So what percent? 15. 15% of your budget is for the surprise factor? Correct. Awesome. Okay. That's a, that's a really good to know. Yeah, you got to have your cushion because otherwise it might be your profit in the deal if you don't plan for it. I mean, sometimes right. surprises can eat up all of your profit and then some. So, yeah. 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 Well, what? Um, I'd love to hear some more stories. Yeah. I'd love to hear some more stories um, from you guys of some of your successes. And I know you've done wholesaling too. So you want to tell us about a wholesale deal you've done? Yeah, uh, well, uh, we did wholesaling, never planned to do wholesaling. <laughs> so um, 
I mean, you and I have been around long enough to know that that out of all the real estate things that people pitch to sell, wholesaling is number one because it's really no money involved for the person to get started. It it is, though. I mean, they say there's no money, but your money is your time. And it's very few people really do well at wholesaling. So I never cared for wholesaling myself, but because we used to get the REO list straight from the banks, I would, we would accidentally wholesale some properties that way. But it wasn't anything that we worked at or that we specifically did. Um, so I really don't have any great stories about that. It was just more of, you know, I got this list from the bank of, you know, $10 million worth of REO properties and I'm going to cherry pick out of the ones I want to flip. And oh, by the way, I know some other people that do flipping or, or wholesaling or whatever. And I would just, you know, if I made a, a 1500 bucks or $2,000 off a wholesale deal, I, I was happy with that. I was just unloading something. I love that story because I'm thinking in the last year, I bought two flips, you know, two wholesale deals off a friend of mine who is a flipper and he doesn't intend to be a wholesaler either but he had these deals come to him so why not him make some money for passing on to me he had the relationship he should be compensated for it so i think i paid him five grand on each deal because he had too much on his plate he's like i want it but i can't take it i'm too full you can have it holly so yeah it's a great backup plan even if you don't think you're going to be this big wholesaler if you are flipping it's great to have a little network of people you could ask if they want it instead of just saying pass. I don't want it. Say yeah, I'll hook you up with someone that that could use it. So I mean, that's really smart of you that you still capitalized on your relationship with the bank as well as um, other people you knew that were flipping. So smart. <laughs> so um, do you have um, what if you can think of any? maybe big surprise or scary flips that you thought, oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? Or have you ever had any of those experiences where things that... No, I think that we did so much due diligence prior to even making an offer. I mean, we literally went through houses with a fine tooth comb to the best of our ability. And I can't say there was anything that we were like, oh my gosh. What did we do? <laughs> and, 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 uh, some of the things that kind of, I guess, go along with that is uh, I'm, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm not a handy guy. I don't swing hammers. I don't play with power tools. I'm, I'm a numbers guy. So, and Julie, on the other hand, is just my opposite. She, not that she can do numbers, budgeting and all that, but she's what she's really good at is, is actually flipping the houses herself. She, yeah. she can do, she can change a window. She can put in kitchens. She can do floors. She can plumbing. She can do the electrical wires, um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. And um, so, but she learned that from her father and her brothers. And, and so we really, and the other, we, we had that go, going for us. But the other thing too is we were not in a very competitive market at the time. So, you know, the stories that we're telling you um, are stories from 20 years ago, roughly, you know, so we weren't in a big, um, you know, going to the tax auctions wasn't really out there. Everybody didn't know about them. There wasn't, you know, there's only very few investors around at the time. Um, And so we didn't have a lot of competition. So we were, 
we're able to take our time and really go through the houses. And, and again, we said this earlier, though, we don't, we did, never did anything that was a burnout, never had, did anything with structural issues, never did anything with roof issues. It was strictly interior, exterior cosmetics. That was it. And if it had any of the other issues, we, I don't care how cheap it was. I don't care how good of an area it was. I don't care if I knew an electrician who could fix the problem. We, we just passed on it. It, it. it just saved us a lot of headaches. And, and it's probably not right for everybody, but back then for us, it, it was right. Now today, it's totally different. We're building homes today. So, you know, nothing scares us today. Yeah. But, you know, and the reason we're building homes, two years ago, I'm kind of jumping 16, 17 years ahead here, but, you know, we were flipping houses when we moved to Myrtle Beach six and a half years ago. We actually started, we came here during the crash because we realized, I was writing my second, my, my second book and doing some research and things, and I just realized I got a consulting job here in, um, actually in Key West, Florida, and that turned into getting me here to Myrtle Beach. When I was here, I was here negotiating for four guys on a marina and a hotel that they were going to, they were trying to buy. Um, and I got hired to do that job for them as a consultant. And so I was here for about 30 some days. And during that time, as I told you, I have pants in my pants, so I, I can't sit still. So I started learning the market and realized that, you know what, if we were going to move, which we wanted to, yeah. this would be a great place to move to. When the market turns, this is going to be prime picking right here and it is and so the first uh we got here for about a year relaxed learned the area uh, did a few deals here and there the second year we i realized the market was pretty close to bottoming out if not bottomed and we turned around pulled some of our investors together and, and i'll teach tell you how we got investors if you're interested in knowing that um i kind of skipped forward on that but we reached out to our investors and um Pulled, pulled a, a few of them together and we went out and bought almost a hundred lots in just about eight or nine months. We sat on those, we sat on, and here, here was our criteria for those. Didn't want to spend over 30 grand, had to have all municipalities out at the road, uh, had to be buildable already, ready to be built on, um, and it had to have some type of water on the property. Well, if you're not familiar with the state of South Carolina, Almost everything has water on it here, whether it's regular water, a pond, a swamp, or the intercoastal waterway. Everything's got water. So we, we did. We went out and bought, it was a little over 100, actually, um, properties. We sat on them for about eight or nine months, and then we started reaching out to all the builders. Now, how did I know this is what everybody's asking themselves that are listening. And then, I'm a, as I told you earlier, I was in the stock market. So I learned early on to pay attention to the home builders, to Lowe's, to Home Depot, to Delta, to Morton, to, to Moss Windows, to all the people that supply the home building, home builders. I, I watched all of them. I even drove around, Holly, I drove around the county and the state visiting lumber yards with their empty shelves and watched them start to gear up for the next building wave. And one of the things I learned with the stock market and watching the homes, um, Beezer, Holtney, Lennar, all of those guys are on the stock market, DR Horton. What had happened was they, they started gaining traction about six to nine months prior to the news 
actually saying the bottom is over with. So that's how I knew everything was going. Now you got to look around the, you know, your surroundings and, and learn from them and, and put yourself in those shoes. And that's how you get the clues on how, how to get into the market and how to get in out of the market. So that, that's kind of how it all started. I think I went off in a tangent there, but. <laughs> well, yeah, why don't you, um, we need to be wrapping up the show pretty soon, but tell us about what you're doing today. So that's where I was. That's right. So um, the, we started flipping houses down here. And because at this point in our lives, um, you know, we, we buy, I don't know, maybe close to a million dollars a year in properties, probably a couple of million. So we have ins with the banks. Now I know some people like Holly, a million dollars. That's one house in California. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, but here in, in Myrtle Beach, your average your average home is, runs anywhere between fifty thousand and one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. So it's a complete. I never had lots of opportunities to flip houses and do stuff in California, but I didn't because I could buy ten houses here versus your one house on average there. So that's that's why I didn't. But so we've noticed that the REO list that you get from the banks was getting shorter, shorter, and shorter. And our, we would not flip a house unless we knew we were going to make a simple 25% profit. Mm -hmm. That, that was, we would walk away from a house. If, if it was 20%, we would still walk away from it. 25% was our number. Um, now, quick so, question. Sorry to interrupt, but is that 25% okay. based on total cash invested or is that 25% of this ultimate sale price? Because I hear people that do both formulas and I know our listeners would love to know. Yeah. So for us, it was, um, if, if we bought a house for 10, just throwing numbers out, we bought a house for 10, we put 10 into it, but we got it for $20,000. All we cared about was being 25% over that $20,000. Okay, so it's based on total cash invested or Correct. total cost. Great. Yeah, yeah, that was our formula two years ago, but it sure certainly got a lot more competitive, and now we're lucky to get 15% in Southern California. Exactly. Wow. So the same thing happened here in, in, in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina. So that even though we were dealing with eight different banks, every single month they would send us their list. I get the cherry pick. I never dealt with realtors or anything, um, we've got great deals, but those lists started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So I said to Julie, I said, we need to think about what we're gonna do next. And oh, by the way, I already know what it is. And it's, let's go out and buy a home building company. So we did, we went out, did some networking, found somebody who was interested in um, selling their home building business. We bought it, we kept him on board as our builder. Um, we are, we're also builders. But um, he does all the building. I do all the buying um, and the selling. And Julie handles all the um, subcontractors and the financing. I love it. Julie's the boss of the guys, right? Basically, that is true. You go, girl. I love it. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, Holly, because I get phone calls and I'm like, hey, that's a Julie question because I'm afraid of Julie. I don't want to know. <laughs> I love it. And I have to tell you, my one of my friends that does rehab, she does it for realtors. She gets them done in like three weeks, and my guy might take two months to do what she does in three weeks. So some of the women got it going on. They can make things happen a lot faster. I love it. I think we're a little more organized. Yes. Wow. 
Yeah, you're organized, you get it all done. <laughs> our, our first few flips took us a do, um, and then after that, we started getting it down below 30 days with, with us. And um, now we started, we actually, because um, I know we're pressing for time here, so what we're doing now is besides the home building company, we also own a brokerage firm and we also own a property preservation company. But our real estate fund that we have, the investment side of the house, um, so we get people into our fund and we go out and buy, um, invest in developments or we invest in flip properties or we invest in senior living things. So that's really what we're doing now. What I was going to say is, um, so we the fund went out and bought a, uh, its own development from the from the banks. Um, and so we're up there building now. We had started out with 30, no, sorry, 28 lots. We're down to 14 lots left in less than a year or a little bit more than a year. But what I wanted to say was in the beginning, it would take us about eight months to build a house. We're custom builders. Now with Julie, with their new software system, um, we can knock out a 2,500 square foot home in about six months. Wow. Awesome. Or just under. I, I, I'm working that Yep. Four to five months. <laughs> so um, real quick, if you don't mind, I, this is my first book I wrote. Yeah, so not everybody can see the videos, so tell them the title. So my first book I wrote was No Bull Real Estate. Um, uh, basically a street smart sense. It's me writing it from a street view. Um, yeah, I'm no Robert Kiyosaki or any of those other guys. I'm not fluffing stuff. It's a book that basically tells you how Julie and I went through things what you need to watch out for, what you need to look for, and how do you decide what you want to invest in. Um, so that's that was my first book. And I believe you're going to give an opportunity for my second book. And then real quickly, um, I'm writing a book on alternative investments. So that we're, we, we do gold, we do silver, we do forestry, we do wine. Those are alternative investments. So I'm writing that book now. Um, the one after that is um, I'm doing a book on um, cannabis investing in cannabis. Um, and I won't say the person's name yet because I can't, but the person who's going to be on the book with me is a very famous TV person um, who does nothing but cannabis in uh, Las Vegas now. In There's Las Vegas, okay. Yep. Um, the other book, uh, and then I'm doing one other book and I can't think of what the title of it is right now, but so I got some more books coming out. Um, I'm excited about doing those. Our new radio show should be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll be on the internet. Um, we'll be doing it also live on Facebook, um, and through 99.5, which is a local, um, talk radio show here in Myrtle beach. They've asked me to do an hour show. So we're excited about those things, but um, everybody can find Julie and I through Facebook, through Instagram, um, through Twitter. It's all Sid Chase or Mr. Noble or uh, Mrs. Noble. Um, you can find us in just by typing in our names. Awesome. So it's Sid spelled S-Y-D and Julie, Sid and Julie Chase. Awesome. So for our free download this week, because you listeners, I know you love getting all the, the free stuff that we put out every week. Sid has offered his entire second book, which is 365 pages or days of, I'm going to say wisdom, advice, 
um, little one-liners, really good food for thought, good um, rules to live by, I would say. I was starting to flip through it. So you can get that entire PDF of his book at hardhatholly.com forward slash 59, because this is episode 59 of the podcast. And also, if you're not at a computer and you just want to shoot me a text and I'll shoot it back to you, you're going to text to the number 38470. That's 38470. You're going to text hard hat, all one word and no spaces, and we will shoot it back to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sid and Julie, for being on the show. I love hearing people's stories, and it was so fun to have a couple on the show. I have worked with my husband sometimes. Uh, was that for better or for worse? Sometimes I wanted to fire him, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to fire me too. It's a challenge, but it's it's fun that you guys have that together. And I have to ask really quick: How many kids do you have, and how old are they? You mentioned kids. So we have um, total five. five wow. Yeah, five boys. <laughs> yep. So the youngest one's um, 20. The next one's 23. The next one's 26 the next one is 30 30 and then um andrew our first son what he passed away when he was six years old but he'd have been 32 i think this past summer well you guys look amazing you must have started having kids when you're 12 because i was going to guess you were each about 40 so um yeah listeners you're gonna have to check out the photos of them they look so young and good but that's awesome that you can do this while yeah, having grand- so many kids <laughs> and, and we have holly we have nine grandchildren oh my gosh wow julie you are one hot grandma i love it <laughs> too young to be a grandma <laughs> Well, with that, thank you so much, guys. You're such an inspiration. It's so great to see your smiling faces and your positivity. And listeners, definitely go find out about them online. We'll have all the links in the show notes to their website and where you can learn more about them. If you're interested in learning about investment opportunities and just connecting with them, asking them more questions. So with that, thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.